Is the, is the podcast out? No, no, hey. Yeah, I, yeah, it's recording. All right. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. We were all talking shite there. We were getting <laughs> a bit excited. Um, I have Shane on again. And um, I'm just looking at Colin's... What do you call him? Barefoot shoes. I don't know about him. Fashion-wise... I really don't. I'm out. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're very, very, very slim shoes. <laughs> and I was just asking him, why? So why? It's like not wearing. It's like when you're walking around barefoot, so your shoe isn't like. I always find shoes squeeze my foot. Like my feet are too wide for shoes. So I get these really hard. Big wide feet. Yeah. Does that mean you're big toe, wide my toes are pants. squished. Like, and I get knee pain and everything. And like the second I get home. Shoes come you, off. It's because you have more contact with the ground. Mm. But I walk around with no shoes on mm. as much as I possibly can. And since I started wearing the these barefoot shoes, like they're they're fairly minimal. They don't have like the arches and the the heels, and my foot's not kicked up. My foot's flat. Did you go to a physio? Uh, the physio told me to wear Asics and gave me insoles, and like the pain went away. But mm-hmm. then my feet were getting squashed into the shoes. I know. Uh, and then. But if I ever went without wearing those shoes, then I'd be back to square one. I'd be sore again. But yeah, as soon as I start wearing the barefoot shoes, yeah, all I my problems you. went away. Well, if you get the, all the bones, like that's another repeat part of the treatment. Like you're actually just double checking that all bones in the feet are moving. They're not blocked. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's the first thing to hit the ground. And can the type of runner... Well, it's runners in general. Like ideally, if you go back again, thousands of years... um. Even if you look at some of the Kenyans, they still will run in barefoot because that's what the way that we're taught and they develop the right muscles. But um, again, the level of tension someone holds will, will be held in the actual feet, but not. it's more so that the bones don't have to move anymore because the runner takes the load. So then that's why you try walk across the yard as an adult now and the stones are sore, whereas mm. the babies and the kids can run no problem because the feet haven't fully been destroyed so ideally yeah you want to be keeping a child out of runners for as long as possible like so they sorted your problems uh yeah i don't really get the knee pain or anything anymore now since i start wearing these yeah like it just shows though so like some people will just literally specialize on feet for example but we were saying that's again yeah an addition you're trying to go right like when we say head to toe treatment or an nct or whatever you genuinely especially with older people you're trying to fix the neck and fix the, the feet first and then we go Upwards and meet ourselves in the middle somewhere. Do mm. you get me? Like I had to relearn how to walk. Yeah. Because I was so used to just pounding my heel down. Yeah. Um, and then I started you're to aggressive. Yeah. So what do you do? <laughs> run around on your tippy toes now? No, like, but I just don't pound my heel down when I'm walking. Oh. Like I, you know, I kind of put my foot a bit flatter down until my heel goes down first. But I you used see, to just be pounding my feet down because I'm so used to walking around. Even shoes. if I was to, if I had a sore knee or sore hip and I wore it. I know that I just swapped the sworn knee for getting beat up. <laughs> anyway, um, Shane's back here again. And I think now due to me getting excited the last time, I didn't ask some of the questions I was supposed to ask you. So I just started off with a few late ones because people were wondering, um, where'd you go to school? Um, primary school was Bellevue in Mullingar. Or, well, St. Coleman's. Big school? Up there, man. Sorry. St. Coleman's and then CBS. Yeah, CBS is an all-boys school until they brought in um, repeat and then repeat was mixed. Your repeat? Year. I went back to repeat for to crack. Yeah, I was too young. I was 16 doing Leaving Cert. You were young starting school? Yeah. Yeah. First time doing Leaving Cert was 16, turned 17 towards the end of the last exam. And then uh, second year again, still only 17, turned 18. Um so I just, the first year, I was just being honest, it was too immature. What would you be going to college? I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, brothers and sisters? 
One brother. One brother. Four years older. And when you left school, when you did leave it, did you know what you wanted to do at that time? Or um, well, at the first year, I had actually got there um, auctioneering. Yeah, I always I wanted to do something sales. <laughs> that kind. Or no, selling no, houses. Jesus Christ. Yeah, just selling houses because I remember just going. It's commission and the commission would be a lot higher. It was that's nearly where the top process. I enjoyed selling. I was always tricking about with stuff from fourteen, getting a few pound off and mother going around painting fences or you you know, burning CDs. No, I, I no, I hate school. I was always described as being distracted all the time. And uh some teachers would say, you know, the the funny man in the group, but wouldn't apply myself. But my mind was always Somewhere else Yeah And when did you Did you do auctioneering in college first? No that's when I turned that down And went back to college And repeated And then I'd done uh, Retail and services management And DIT So It was kind of two years Before I finished that I said look I'm going to make a proper shot The fitness thing And so I Done strength conditioning In the evening then On top of the degree So how what, Did you just What happened that you went Oh I'm into I want to get into fitness and Well I know this sounds the typical thing and thank God it worked out but because um, you do hear an awful lot of young lads now saying oh I, I love the gym I'd mm. love to own a gym but that's not the reason to own a gym like it's it's difficult and you normally fall out of love um, with the gym when you own one it's very difficult to find that balance and a lot of lads you'll see them you know slowly deteriorate through their 20s just losing that shape because they spend every hour in the gym so it's difficult to go back in and do your own training um, I was just as I said before I was that skinny young lad went to college genuinely got in loved the gym um, but it kind of became more than that myself and my p- friend um, you know Paul at the time we said she says there's nothing in Mullingar like you know we were living in Dublin we said there's nothing at all so we went into our local clubhouse set it up with 690 euro cost us and I just robbed the speaker out of the house and designed, I was telling you that on the way down, we just designed a body pump class, which basically was... This complete. was before you went to college <clears> doing it? No, no, this was after college. So we, we finished um, finished the degree in whatever time, say May, June, and we'd done our first kids' speed camp, which was a week long. That was our first uh, thing we'd done in July. And we ran, I think, two two speed camps in this that summer. after training in college and yeah, yeah. The, the normal route that most people go down. Yeah, so we... Um, I think we rented gates, I can't remember, but anyways, yeah, yeah, we don't speak camping. Built it up very quickly, to be fair, and then just took over the premises we're in now, about a year and a half in. Just got so big so quick, um, we couldn't stay in Lomans anymore. It was getting almost, it was brilliant to have it, but it did get to a point of embarrassment. It was like, Jesus, it's a bit rough now. We move into furniture all your way to do a class and stuff. So mm. it was just the right time, you know. And were you promoting that through word of mouth or had you started your Instagram had, page at that time? No, I never didn't have any Instagram. It was all um private Facebook pages. Um, so you can't Insta- Instagram probably wasn't that big back then, was it? I was late to it. I know a lot of people who were on it and just using it for whatever use, but I, I was I I genuinely wouldn't be great at technology. Like I would like buying a new phone even I'd be dreading transferring stuff across. But honest to God back then the same thing I was like, what's Instagram about? But I started Instagram and August 2014, when I decided I quit the county with Westmead. When you started the gym first, you were playing county, were you? Yeah, we, exactly, yeah. And it was probably just, just unfortunate the year I even was in. Like, he came off the back of winning the senior championship at Lomans, went in, flying fit, obviously, because we went longer than everyone else. Is Lomans a good team? Ah, yeah, we, we, we hadn't won a championship in 52 years until we won it in 2013, and... 
That's a nice try spell. Yeah, so when we won <coughs> 2013, we lost the semi, took her eye off the ball, and probably in 2014. It's nothing worse than losing a semi. <laughs> 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 and then we won 15, 16, 17, uh, went to Wexford in 18. Played. You were there for all that? Yeah. Playing like a fucker. Yeah, just exactly. Gave it the same like the same focus I'm putting into work now was the focus I put to football. Twenty, thirty hours a week, just never switched off. Be down doing your own bit, and doing the bodybuilding. For it. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, the the bodybuilding kind of came at a latter stage, like the twenty thirteen stage. Big time was totally focus driven on football. And when you were doing your training for Lomans mm. and training for the county, and you were doing bodybuilding, would your trainers GAA ways would they have been like? Cop on, do, do what we're asking you. Don't be doing that. Yeah, I know. Look, in the later years, and even players used to get angry with me and I had to say to them, listen, I mean, you've got to see the bigger picture. Like, my job is is what I'm doing. My goal here is to do bodybuilding for a couple of years, prove it to young kids that you can get big and stay very fast and you can get as ripped as you want. doesn't slow you down. Um, And I remember, yeah, you would have had disagreements with some one of some of the players saying, well, you just worry about yourself. Like, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I've never gone out yet and got roasted. So what's your problem? Like, mm. you know, I, I'm just giving a little bit more time to this, but I'm still here playing football. You were trying to start a It was a business. totally, and it was, Jesus, I got, sure, it was some phenomenal workout, but like, so mm. it was worth it. And I was always looking at the bigger picture and I, I guess I was always probably going to end up slightly work driven if I wasn't playing a professional you were actually playing a match this morning, weren't you? Yeah, but only come back doing a little bit now. It'd be fairly harmless, but not. I'm not training. I kind of just told them, look, I, I was honest and said, I ain't, I'm not going to attempt to play any first team stuff. Uh, but if you're stuck for lads in second or third team, no problem. I'll come and play, and I'm beginning to enjoy it now because I d- pressure's off. Yeah, yeah not, not that I wouldn't say I don't care. Of course, I care. You're competitive when you go out. You tomorrow, what standard you want to win, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I genuinely show up and just whatever it is will be, you know. Mm. Fuck it. Do you like cars? Love them. You had a fair nice car when I first started chatting to you. Yeah. He's taking track days and everything. Same job. Playing one day with the back of the car full of tires. <laughs> <laughs> Heading up to Mondello. I, I had uh, I had a bit awful bad luck with an X5. I had a BMW. I lost. Jesus, 18,000 on it in one year. Engine, like car went on fire, fucking gearboxes, everything fell out of it. Go away. Yeah. And Where'd I you buy it? Shame him. <laughs> what? Shame him. Bastards. Well, private, but yeah, I bought the, high, the high 30 end then. Two litre, was it? 280 brake or 290 brake, but just the handling. Yeah, the track mode of it was just. Was that four wheel drive or two wheel drive? No, two, yeah. But you know, phenomenal when you press the end mode. Oh, just frightening, yeah, it was unbelievable. Just woke up one morning and go out the gap. No, a lad sent me, imagine it's shocking too, but I was kind of. Wasn't an impulse as such. I was pondering on it for a while, and the next thing I get this WhatsApp message off a lad in O'Brien's, and he says that joke could suit you. And he sent me a video of the exhaust popping, <laughs> <laughs> and I bought it something like three days later. It just came at the right time, but ah, yeah, don't regret it at all. I loved it. Why'd Sorry. you get rid of it? Made money on it in the end. Solves good reason. Yeah, so all the buyout was far cheaper on the PCP than what I was getting it for private. So I think I made eight, eight grand on it or something. On based on the on the buyout, I mean. Yeah. Me? Dream car. No. Oh, a Nissan Skyline GTR. GTR. I wouldn't have seen it. R thirty five. Wow. Nearly bought one a few years ago and then bought an apartment instead. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good move. <laughs> Fuck's sake. You sold that. Yep. Moved into your new house. 
We did. It's very, very lucky now, I have to say, with that buy. It was a lot of hardship at the time now. Won't Last lie. year, when you showed me that house. I know. And you told me, and I won't lie, I thought, that lad's dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to do most of that himself. And you did. Couldn't believe it. Nine months. Nine months wrapped up, done, dusted. And we have the other project. Uh, probably f- halfway there, so. Yeah, won't be long now. But that'll be done by May, the retreat. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be nice. You promised me. You promised and me, Vicky, we're coming up, first. I'll bring you up, I'll bring you up. Everyone can hear that now. If he's telling lies, I'll fucking get someone bigger than me to kick the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to ask you, right, the last day. I just, I, I just forgot. But do you follow any fitness-related social influencers? Do you follow anyone on Instagram? Uh, probably only following some that happen to be fitness because I'm just... Um, ah, they would have been on a plan with me maybe at some point or something. I wouldn't be a great man to be on it myself because... Your mind is thinking, right, I have to keep ahead of my own content a bit. and so it's, a t- it's a time thing. Yeah, there would be, like I said, if we talked before, there'd be odd times where it might be scrolling through and something might distract you or you go, ugh. Yeah. You know, and I might want to unfollow, but only, like, I might have absolutely no connection to the person, but no... Um, I, I suppose in that industry, I feel everybody is really trying hard to sell and they all, I suppose, are trying to, like, for example, the young the young guy now coming up is looking at the a page that might have, say, 100,000 followers, for example, and they assume that that guy is making a lot of money um, and he might have a little contract here and there with a bit of free clothes or something and they're out in the forest getting the professional shots done with the quote underneath, but you have to, well, I personally believe, like, you know, you have to get to a level to be able to be doing that. Mm. That's just what I would think. I would never put myself out gudges. You have to really start proving and achieving some things to be able to throw a quote out there. And I think that look that industry in general, I, yeah, I try and... I've seen it, as I said the last time briefly to you, and it can, it's very misleading. And I do, I feel so... I, I'll be honest, I see some people and I often write to them and say, you know, how are you getting on, man? Because I know they're struggling. I know they have maybe one child and... It's just, it's a flog, like, and they're not making money, the poor old fuckers, and they probably don't have the knowledge to how to run social media either, and it's a hard game, like. It's well, the social media thing, you kind of have to learn as you go, don't you? Yeah. If you're trying to mix it I, in with a business that you're doing. Yeah, and I think you have to be able to constantly look as well, going, is this working? Like I said, I I, I personally, and I never have any, I, I like to think I can be a, an example to some young people, like, I would have done the whole um, typing in, like, what hashtags work? What hashtags get more views? What hashtag gets more likes? Um, if I put a picture up of me, fucking at six or seven body percent body fat, and I happen to be trending in Marbella, and I got three hundred and fifty likes, you automatically go, Jesus, okay, that one worked, and you go and repeat that, and you get sucked down a very dangerous hole. Then where the sexy, ah, uh, yeah, it's not even sexy. it's it's the mindset you're you're chasing the <clears> wrong, like as I said, views and likes don't don't pay bills mm. you have to create an audience but like it's like it's like in another level i could introduce you to somebody who's a millionaire and i said dave i can't do any more for you now i can only put you in front of him it's up to you after that so that's essentially what you're trying to do on social media you're trying to gra- gain an audience and then convert that audience so you're turning in it's like fanocracy is what to say like and you're trying to you're trying to gain fans first of all let them, well, that's what I've tried to do. You, you mm. let them try and get to know you. And then at the end of the day, you have a business and you're providing a service that is 
it's not a it's not a if you weren't doing what you're doing now what do you think you'd be doing uh, I think I'd like to be in kind of managerial like salesy role where I'm maybe going in and trying to analyze or guide people and make teams work together and pick apart the reason why it's not working or even well my dream job believe it or not like what I'm doing I love and I've mm. my full aspirations but if I ever got to a point um it'd be it'd be to go into a company and actually look at it or even in the gym industry go in and have a look like like one guy was down there the other week and I just was able to tell him nearly how much he was making a month and he was there how do you know that and I was like well just because I've been there done that I've seen the highs and the lows of gyms what they make if you tell me of 100 customers or 200 and so on um but yeah I'd love to go in and just try and clean a business up like put systems and processes in place and try and clean it up and move on to the next one sure you could do it yeah Email Shane Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> who do you admire or who do you eye. look up to? Have you anyone in the world that you look up to or admire? Yes. You have me, you know, in a way for treatment in a way and just gone blank. Because um, it's a hard question. Jesus, uh, you have me. I don't know. You're going to have to give me a minute. Colin. Have to come back to you. Probably me, isn't it? Do I look up to anybody? You look up to me. There's different levels, I think, of looking <laughs> up to people. I think there's different levels of looking up to people. Like, there's, I, I know people who are just a, a normal parent of two or three kids, and they're they're doing unbelievable stuff, and no mm. one knows. They're mm. not on social media. They're a seriously hard worker. It's phenomenal. Their attitude is so meticulous in the sense of they just refuse to look at the, the negatives. The, yeah, their shit days and stuff. But they're just plowing on and essentially they're harder working than, let's say, some of the people in the fitness industry who are shouting from the rooftops. Yeah. Saying. I've noticed that in the last few years. It's that warrior that is just suffering through life, mm. getting through stuff. And you're going, wow, if anyone knew about that. Mm. No, and then like we've, ta- we've ta- talked about it a few times, the amount of people that are looked up to in social media. That have no basis. For some reason, we have them hyped up. Yeah. For no reason. It's... it's. But social media allows you as well um, to create your own hype. And um, it, it can. that's that's the problem then for the young guy growing up. It's the aspiring and it's going, who am I looking out to? And then, thank, like I said, I was just very lucky now to have... Um, like I remember asking some social media people if they wanted to come down when I was doing my bodybuilding days. And I remember one girl, she had 94,000 followers living in Dublin. And uh, she says to me, um, yeah, just, I'll just have to see what days the bus or what times the buses are going. She's about 26 or something. And I said, okay. And I was like, right, oh, you'll be getting the bus. Like, isn't, you won't be driving down. Okay, yeah, that makes it trickier. And that was grand. And then it came down to actual money then. And it turned out, yeah, all the posts and all the pictures, she hand on heart had no money. Like, it was just living in her living at home and all the images that would be going up would be in front of the mirror in her room like and that was very scary talk going wow the amount of females that would be looking at her going she's flying it she's in with my protein or she's in with alpha Elite or she's in with something but it's only an old discount code at the end of the day and yeah, i think at they the will start to get a little bit excited over oh i got a hat <laughs> I, I competed with a fellow i was only scrolling from my instagram back to the first post there just uh, showing something somebody the other day and I came across the guy that I competed against in England and he's not even on Instagram anymore I was like fuck 
Right, where's he gone? Uh, just with the same thing, he would have had a lot of views and a lot of likes because he looked well, but he wasn't actually business. He hadn't a business model or he hadn't a business mind and he obviously just decided. I know another guy the other day, he's 33 and he just decided and he was running a gym in Dublin as well. He just packed it up. He just realised it's not sustainable. I'm getting to an age that I need something solid because it's not very hard to make money out of a gym. Like, um, if you're doing it, if you're trying to go to a point where you set up a security for the rest of your life and he just fucked back to carpentry. Do you think you'll ever do bodybuilding again? Never, not a chance, not. No so much time. So I go, like I could put time into trying to uh, break Ireland and go to England and go to Dubai and that same focus is 20, 35, 40, 50, 80 hours sometimes of drive and obsessiveness and that's what the bodybuilding was. Every moment of my day was I'm competing, I have to eat right, I have to be ready, I have to train. And that was the only conversation in my life at that time. So now I've recognized that. So masters will be the next thing probably. And uh, I was doing it prior to lockdown in neuroscience and I just knew it was the wrong time. So I pulled pin on it. But uh, that'll be the sort of focus and drive the next time. Since our last podcast, it was so many young lads messaged me and came over to me. And it was there was a lot of the same questions, but a lot with GAA guys mm. were asking. Well, actually, I asked the question that I got. How do you think young Irish GAA athletes are trained now? Are trained? How do you think they're handled and trained? Well, handled, I would, you're, I presume, <clears throat> well, I would take that as man management. Mm. Um, really poor, I guess. The sunshine and rainbows is the elite level. And the GPA is saying how they support various this and that, which I don't believe, to be honest. Because I've seen it and I've different times where it's all the show pony at the end of the day and they're making millions a year but when you get into the nitty gritty of GA who's making millions the, the, the GA be making millions and whoever's working is getting a nice a very nice thing they pump a lot of money back into the uh, club scenes but it's when you get down into the nitty gritty of it um, and even at a high level there's a lack of support for saying okay football is not the be all like you can see a shift now like I mean Look at Dublin and look at the guys walking away. They're beginning to cop on going, I'm not staying around here till I'm 34 or 5 because there's more to life. So it was okay 10 years ago or 15 years ago to play football right through till you were 38, 40 and you worked a normal job. But life has got harder. Life is more expensive and people are now realising, fuck, like I got sucked into a cult. One of the best footballers in Westmead, without fail, left. He went out for a, J a J1, played with us in Lomans, was going to be the next Desi Dolan and went out... And he, he was obsessed. He never, ever stopped training, kicking left, right. And he went to New York and it just bang. What do you mean? Never. He never came back. He said, holy shit, I what, was what, just what in happened? a cult. He, he just realized the GA can suck you in and make you go. You're not to go on holidays. You're not to go to parties. You're not to. You have to make sure you don't drink coming into championships. You know, this is your main focus. But is that not but there's the discipline no support. that they need? Um. I would, or is yeah, it a balance it, that you're Exactly, talking? the balance would be you are chewed up and spit out at the end. And as they say, and some managers actually just say it, like if you're injured, you're no use to me. So as big of a business as it is, yeah, look, I, I personally think it's a badly run business. I really do, yeah. If you could make a change in GAA, what You would, would have to change? do what the likes of Dublin done. You started at the roots. Like people said, you should divide Dublin in two. No, they put in 10 to 12 years of phenomenal work from the bottom up and they got this attitude in of if you want to play for Dublin um, I mean we all have to there has to be a 
education put in, a discipline. Like at, at, when they or were the at the players or the trainers? The trainers or, or the player, the trainers were educated. Like they pumped massive money into educating them. Now, unfortunately, if you're down in likes of West Mead, you're relying on some lad coming in because no one else will do. He's it. handy, exactly, and you're beginning to go. You can't compare, like Jim Gavin, different things, like the level of knowledge, the, the discipline in his life, the army background. Um, but he set the standards, or Alex Ferguson of the world, they set the standards and it's, it filters through. And I think that that's how a good business is run. The guy at the top is setting the standards and he's involved all the way through. No egos in the way, no manipulation, no mind games. So you, they're you they're work caught hard rotten you get from rewarded. the top when the head guys in GAA should be giving money to the trainers down at the bottom. Because some they, people have to give their time. It's like someone has to do it. Well, it's advertised though as, and it's about the community. But within every club, then of course you're going to have the odd thing where one player is half threatened to get transfer, and it's like, look, look, stay, and that's fine. But this is why the the difficulty for them to go from amateur to professional is because the setup is not there, and the level of uh, intelligence is not going to be there. Unfortunately, do you get me? Mm. So there's so many structures that would have to be put in place to make sure there's fair play versus a lad saying, all of a sudden. But Jesus, I'm going to bring a lad in from junior. He actually, I'm going to get him in on the county, and he sneaks him in the door, and he's paid professional. So it's just it wouldn't, it, it'll never go professional, and it will never work, unfortunately. When you go down training, do you ever? It's very unprofessional. Now you're on phone going off, is it? My house alarm. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Nine young. people in the house <laughs> robbing it as we speak. Fully young. When you go down to training now, or when you used to go down training with GAA and been a trainer. Would you ever be looking at training going on and go, ah, yes, this is some knowledge. <laughs> um, or this is crazy stuff. They're going to injure I, people. <clears throat> I think some people were able to say to me that you, they'd like to, when you were fully focused on it and you would try and set a higher standard all the time or you demand more, demand more, demand more. And that can be quite draining for someone who just wants to enjoy it. Um, so I suppose it was going... <laughs> oh... Again, it's just it's just a hard balance to strike. Everybody's in a different phase in their life. So like right now, I'm in a very different phase. But where I just simply said, like, I can't understand why some lads would come down and choose the, ter- choose the Friday, Sunday for 10 years, but never really progress. And I, I struggled with that. And in the end, when I, again, changed paths and moved away and said, right, I'm going to put a little bit more time into, into my business and less into the football, then, of course, again, things flourish. Mm. Um. But I'd, I, I would like to, yeah, I'd like to go back. I always like giving back. Like I've, when I was younger, like proper young, I used to watch, I remember watching Batman one time and he was a philanthropist and I was like, that's class. And it was the goal to be able to be in that position to give back. And would I've done like it before teams? with my clubs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would like to spoil them rotten. Like I'd love to take a team and do a whole Snoop Dogg job on it. What the Snoop Dogg do? Give him a load of weed. No, I bought a big huge bus for them and everything and catered them out. It was class. Yeah. Make I just I like in our gym as as well, it was always about trying to give them the same training that a professional athlete would would so even if you're five stone overweight, you're gonna be trained like as close to a professional as possible, you know. You get to feel what that is like. Do you um watch your diet? Like you're in great shape all the time. No, no. Do you do Um, you eat what you want? Yeah, not anymore. Like I said, um, Again, you just would have went through like the bodybuilding thing was just such a, a commitment for so long. Of course, there was going to be a back off phase um, probably for maybe six or seven months. And then 
start to clean it up saying, right, fair enough, I'm not doing bodybuilding anymore, but I still have to be healthy. Mm. So I got to be very careful. People were on about the nutrition thing the last time, like, mm. you know, the different things like watching the gluten or the sugar, for example, rather than getting caught up in the protein, carbs and fats. Um, so I don't know if you want to. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave Irish, you today Irish, to this one. Irish people's diets. Yeah, so like, Irish people diet is based on all the ads we've seen. So like people say, you t- Jesus, I didn't know porridge. Like I would have always eat cereal in the morning, porridge in the morning, uh, honey in the morning, whatever it was. Um, and y- you got to look at the, the type of sugar, first of all, and then you got to look at, I said I would have done a huge amount of stuff based on insulin. And I'm saying like, is there a need to consume the sugar in the morning, regardless, good, bad or, or not? So you were When you say sugar, does that mean the carbohydrates? Yeah, so breads, jam on the bread in the and morning. Cereal orange juices in the morning that's a cereal that that is a breakfast and that's the standard type of way um and you're trying to flip that on its head completely to take in just fats and protein so we shouldn't be eating cereals in the morning i know there's no shouldn't like i mean at all there's no like this is the big thing there is no shouldn't but if you want to get deeper into nutrition um you would stop looking at the basics of calories like so the typical pt guy will shout about calories and he will persist to post about its calories in versus calories out and you're going, that's not true at all. Because if you are after being diagnosed with something and you are eating sugars as 2000 calories and you're trying to lose weight, the sugar is going to feed the disease. And that's a fact. So that's a definite shit. So everyone's in a different position and should be on a different diet. Yeah, well, depending. the diabetes and all that stuff as well. Again, if you every time you consume a sugar, the pancreas has to release uh, insulin in order to uh, handle the sugar. So imagine it like a big tube and you have what you call like, say, for example, post-workout, you have these vessels that open. So post-workout is the time to absolutely influx uh, carbohydrates. Like who are after you Carbohydrates, do like 80, 20, like it's 80% carbohydrates, 0% fats and 20% protein. That is your window. So if you're a trend in the morning type person, then you have your Irish style high sugar content breakfast because that is your window to, to soak back up as much glycogen stores as possible. Then as your day continues and you go back to your normal job and you may be sitting for the rest of the day, you cut all carbohydrates out and you just minimize and you 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 will work through that day with protein and fat sources. So if your if your calories was two and a half thousand for the day and you're looking to overall view uh, nutrition on a deeper level, you would start to say, right, uh, the first thing you say is when what when is my workout? So if it's a thing where you train in the morning or you train in the evening, that's that's your window. If, for example, you train morning and evening, um, you have two windows now. So you split your carbohydrates. You might be on, say, 350 grams of carbs for the day, which is uh, 40, 12, so 1,400 calories coming through carbohydrates because you have four, four calories per every one gram of carb. Same for protein, and then seven to nine, it's always up in the air for fats. So the fats, higher fat content will drive the calories up much higher as well. So you don't have to eat as much in each Why meal. Why is it all so complicated? So for well, it's me, not, just it's say I get up in the and morning and then go into work. Lazy bastard. Not I, doing that in that day. What when someone starts transformations now, it's just literally, right, we've given you a meal plan to start. That way you don't have to think. So just follow this for the first two or three weeks. Then as time goes on, we're, we just, we're just looking to develop some new habits. So all I'm asking you is, if you don't train in the morning, just minimize the sugar content. Look to increase the post-workouts. Um, be very careful of, for example, if someone says uh, you're allowed to have 100 grams of carbs post-workout, but you keep choosing white bread, for example. So now you're not talking about carbs anymore. You're talking about the gluten f- effect. And you're talking about the the level of energy uh, your body will have to consume to maybe 
break down that again. So, mm. um, as I said, like I would have just put the, a beginner's guide together and an advanced guide together and make it very simplified on that type of stuff. Um, what food everybody should, should always be, be trying to manage the insulin release is what I'd be trying to say. Is there you. any food that you think no one should be eating? Um, like is there no, no, there's not because again, it's it's <clears throat> now when you ask me, do I have a diet? No, but I try and have a balance. So yeah, I'm some man teach height. No problem to say it. No, um, do you know what I mean? It's again, it's trying to find it. It's just getting a balance. So I went through the whole thing of sorry, I can't have that. Sorry, I can't have that. No, that's not in my diet. So I'd done that for three or four years to then go. Uh, you just want to find a balance now. At the minute, am I currently following that guide? No. Um, don't have a direct goal right now. But uh, the did minute go, you do, you did can change and, get, and then boom, it's in it. Yeah, like I went and got my bloods checked and done a, a bit of kinesiology testing on food and stuff like What's that. What's kinesiology? It's all energy and stuff. It's Some people love it. Some people just say, no, I... Basically, if I done a kinesiology test, I back it up with a real blood test then. So she'd come and analyze me and say, you know, such a thing is high or such a thing is low and I go and ask the doctor then will you check for these specific things and then I can back it up with that but yeah anytime I've had I've had very very good experience with a woman I go to for kinesiology she's been so accurate it's, it's unbelievable like another question what kind of things make you nervous or what do you worry about is, is there anything that just that you worry about David? Um, my biggest worry is if I have kids and all the effort and Time or knowledge you try and put in, will they turn out uh, C-U-N-T? That's another question I have to ask you. Can I go from there? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder this myself. Can you tell what kind... Remember we were talking about adrenaline and cortisol and the way people end up, like whether they're going to be a cunt or not, basically. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell what kind of person your kids are going to be? Or do we actually create them by how we rear them? Or is it just in their genes? It's mad that you asked that, because honestly, that's that's a question that I've been. I was telling you, like I was going to a psychologist myself, and I posed that question as well. Going, why, like for example, would one child respond very different than another child to trauma? So, getting in the car after a match and the father maybe saying something or not, one child might respond different. For example getting in trouble in school, all these different things. So that's a question. I'm, I'm not even sure if people know that. But um, I think the big thing is what I would be trying to do is I'd be always looking for, for traits, like, so naturally driven. Like, does the child just need direction, but he's a, he's a constant, he doesn't want to quit. Um, is there a, almost a level of trying to play mind games, a manipulative uh, skill there because even that skill is defined as worse or uh, not a not a great one but that uh, technically a sale when you think about it is almost a a manipulative technique it's a, at the end of the day like one of the sales book i wrote read before was a sale is about getting you from point a to point b so is sales a manipulative thing can be positive well yeah like as long as like obviously some people out there are selling terrible products and they're good salespeople, and people are raging to spend the money on it and that sort of thing so that's down to a person's ethics and morals at the end of the day um versus if you're selling a good product and you're well able to sell but then you're going into communication skills you're looking at um processing skills you're looking at 
how they react to stuff. Do they are they a child that suppresses emotion or are they so a child? What could I do potentially to my kids and not know I'm doing it to do harm? Um, like at the end of the day, like I, it's all I, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Please God, I've healthy kids, but I'm looking forward to the challenge of of trying to watch that and analyze that and go. I have to be very careful that if I give out at the end of the day, you're like I've heard you be saying before. Like, say for example, if you gave out shit to your son right now, mm. like you're everything to him, so you have the ability to crush him and you have the ability to lift him up. Like, so you might be thinking and you could give out and you know and you might shout at him. Now, I know you said in particular, you're not that type of guy. You don't do that. You don't mm. raise your voice around the house or anything like that. But, but you could fuck him up by not doing that. Too. Well, you well you might know. And, and and I had a great chat with a with a woman the other day. And she just said, Jos, I wish I could just go back and do it all again. Because she's like, now I like the little bit that she's beginning to learn. She's now looking back at the, at the way her kids were all very different. You know, um, mm. I know another parent and I would have posed that question. She said, no, I'm telling you, I reared them identical. And they are so different. So that's where I wonder, is it genetic? So then is it, or is it just one incident? Because you're not going to have the exact same incidents with your, your kids. One, one young guy was working with me for about eight weeks and he was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at 18. Like, and I said, Jay's man, no way. I said, it's not a chance. Come up here till we have a look. But straight away on meeting him, he was the most nervous fellow I've ever seen. So he he got his bloods done. I said, "Will you just get the fi- get?" How would you know he's no? He ah, just nervous. yeah, everything and his voice as well. You would hear his voice breaking, stuff like that. The eye contact, crossing his arms, maybe even crossing the legs, like as in standing, crossing his legs, shuffling, looking at the floor, all the different body language cues. Um, but basically, and he was in eight weeks. So I I put something up one time. We were working all the time and talking it out, talking it out, and basically it was about seven weeks in, and I put a video up. <laughs> on Instagram and he wrote to me then privately on the online phone and he said I can't believe it he said I've just remembered and I'd been always on to him that that never happened blah blah and he said he was only about 15 doing a part time job and he said the boss absolutely ate him in front of everybody he said he made a mistake and he said he tore him apart and he said it clicked with him now that he really went in on himself that time but he wouldn't have known at that particular time it's only now that he's constantly asking himself these questions and that's where I believe their memories are stored so I could have if you shouted at your if your kid had this traumatic experience they could hold it and not know what they're holding. I suppose I in one line to try and answer your question. First thing would be to identify does one particular child react better to an arm around the shoulder or a bit of a bollocking. The other thing then I would say was if you are going to deliver a message it has to be in a constructive manner. So even if you're, if the message was to be, I'm going to have to highlight some of the mistakes you made or the flaws you made, you would always start with a positive. And you'd say, listen, you know, or, or for example, you might go, right, what I'm about to say to you, I'm not saying this now to hurt you, for example. Now, I don't know how young or what age you're talking about, but mm. as a communication skill, yeah, you'd be trying your hardest to open the door first where the person drops their guard. Whereas you know, if I had to come to you and the first five things out of my mouth was what you've done wrong, you've the wall up and you're not listening now. So you're, you've switched even the side of the brain you use and now you're not, you're now thinking and you're listening to every word versus absorbing what I'm saying. Mm. So I, I, I would like even my staff, I would always pride myself on trying my hardest to, to man manage and women manage if you like, but you're, you're trying to understand that some, some people don't work well with getting onto them. They, they, they go very quiet. They go in on themselves a, li- a little and, I have to come back to them to get that word out of them because they mightn't have 
they might be able to communicate as well as another member of staff, for example. So making sure that they, they understand it, it's an open, like a child needs to, what I would think in my way of, or any human needs to feel is, it's an open two-way conversation. Please feel free to say what you have to say. Don't suppress that and don't be afraid to say something to me. So I have it open in the gym where it's like, you're, you, you're to say whatever you need to say to me. So even if I was hurt or even if I was angry, there'll be no reaction there and then. I will deal with it later or we'll talk later and so on. But they get comfortable then knowing and you've told them, please come and tell me anytime you're not happy. So you really open that line. But you have to make sure that you're strong enough to open that line. So, for example, if you did receive information that's not good, it's not to be affected because after all, you said, please feel free to say what you say. Mm. Whereas if you react, they go, well, I'm not, their memory now is... Okay, the last time I said to him, I didn't like the way this, this, this is done. He got tick with me and he was off with me for a few days. And then you're back to the exactly. delayed confrontation thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's important Have to educate. Have you ever had anyone in the clinic, a patient, that you figured out it was something that happened to him when they were kids and they didn't know? Uh, yeah, so we, we one actually just literally came to mind. Uh, one young lad brought his, uh, his mother up and she was... Uh, she was probably quite old when she had him because she was he was only 20 and she was well on now. She was... 90. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was probably... She honestly... I think she was probably coming close to maybe 70 or something. But we had the audiovisual treatment room upstairs anyways and she was... She He said she had polymy, polymyalgia. What's that? Oh, sure, it's another name for fucking fibromyalgia and total body pain and inflammation of joints and tissue and so on. Well, it's just this broad thing. Yeah, but a very broad name that they started to give me people because when they don't know what is yeah like it's just one thing after the next it's hip one minute it's my shoulder the next then it's migraines then it's this but it's relentless so they diagnose with a with a with a numberella name of something like that mm. so straight away obviously we were looking at that we we're trying to chat to her but she was um it was crazy yeah just she we couldn't really get through to her like she was so dazed all the time but anyways it was just she went to do the audiovisual room and we says, right, well, look, this is very straightforward. Like, this is the headset, this is the goggles. You'll be up here for about 45 minutes. Don't worry, there'll be nobody else in. Um, we'll be back up and we'll wake you. So if you fall asleep, you fall asleep. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, where are you going? I'm terrified. To fall asleep? No, terrified to be left alone. And who else will be here? She was panicking, like. This was the mum? Yeah, and the son was like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, relax. So this was going on. So I knew then, obviously not, so we, we took her out of that. And then I had a chat with him and I says, do you know why she would do something like that now? And this went on and went on. And then it did come out that something happened to her. Like one night, somebody came into the room and molested her basically or whatever. From the time she was young. Mm. So she God. retained probably so much fear all her life. But yeah, she was the most, probably the most nervous person I've ever, ever seen. Like, And what did she suffer with? Anything else? Just went panic attacks That's when she, she was on her own? given at that time, yeah. And maybe arthritis and several in different joints and stuff because of the stiffness. Like she was just like concrete, like. And then the cognitive level was so fucked because she was on so much medication, she couldn't actually absorb any information. So like as you're talking to her, she's half thinking of something else to say or dismiss it or deflect it or because she doesn't want to let it in. And then obviously then there is sometimes people are very oblivious to that stuff. Like the podcast, I was very shocked with how many people it was as if they've never heard yeah i, I was i was a bit shocked but then people said no it's not normal well, conversation i hadn't and heard I was, either before yeah, I yeah. 
I have another question for you. This is about me now. The question that I have. <laughs> why do I wake up in the morning for no reason just being bad form? Why would you? Why do? Why does that happen? Why I'm could sure I go to bed in great form some morning or some night and then wake up? Do you ever wake up with a bad state of bed? Yeah, I don't know. Like either a bad sleeper had you burnt yourself out leading into that night or something. No, yeah, but you could. I would find if if I woke up in bad form, I, there was a couple of big days leading into it, and you just weren't ready to start into another day, or you just were you weren't fully replenished with your energy or something, you know. But it, it, it weirds me out. I don't mind mornings that you say, I know I'm tired, haven't got enough sleep. Do you know the morning you wake up and there's no reason for it, but everyone's rotting your all. <laughs> Do you never have that? No, no, well, Jesus, yeah. I like, often wonder, insane. is it, it's just... did something happen to me when I sleep? Did some fucking ghoul or ghost get into my head and weird me out? Or is it something that I ate? Or is there, is there, like, what is I, going on? I always would have found your body... If you listen to it enough, like it would be able to kind of, it gets itself ready for something. Even sometimes somebody might say, Jesus, there's something not right with me. I know people are very intuitive, like, and it happens to me and you're going, oh, fuck, I hate to say it, but like, geez, there's some bad news coming or something. And then something might, it might not even be bad news, but something might break, something majorly might, something might happen that's pure and utter hardship. And you're going, and, and that, that uh, pissed off feeling or that, Pepped up anxiety is gone then because it's like that's what it was. It was like it was warning you, and that's a whole different field of. I d- I do wonder stuff is whether it, people believe is it that subconsciously unresolved issues annoying you. Yeah, but you could over like that's the other side of it too. You could overthink, and that's the big thing with this. Is I always try to simplify it. So like if someone says, like go back to the tr- the article, and it's always it's going. Uh, what did you recognize? But like, obviously, people now have just literally wrote, Hi, heard David Cuddy's podcast, blown away. I really want to book in with you. So when they get to the clinic now, they're saying, No, geez, I, I read the article upstairs and there's definitely, I'm, I'm this and this and this and this. So now they're already, they've moved on a step, you see. It's not up to me to tell them that they've gone, they've done that transition themselves, if that makes sense. Mm. So, another question. So when we were talking about the different types of people, cortisol, adrenaline, and all the other sub people that we were talking about in layman's terms like you're explaining to a five-year-old mm. how do you know what person you are how do you know well, what type of we person have you talked are? to seven eight nine-year-olds and we've done kids clinics and again i just said to the parent have a quick read of that and see what you think like and they're going oh jesus yeah and they might say like one, i remember one time my father brought down his two sons and i went back out to him and i said so i'm after working on them for a few minutes and i said see the other fella not bowled but i Dare and little fucker. I said, literally, last out the door. You have to tell him, you have to ask him 10 times to do stuff. Mm. I says, no issues with any confidence, like that type of stuff. I said, whereas the other guy, very hard on himself, beats himself up all the time, really, really worries, stresses over everything. And he couldn't believe it. He said, you couldn't have said it any better. And, I, and he says, how do you know that? And I said, you, you can see it in every part from the, tr- the start of the treatment to the end, the body language again, the looking at you, the basics of asking a question and him being able to interact with you, the, the eye contact, huge, like the stuttering in the voice, the, the, the break in his voice and the breathing. Yeah, That's breeding. the piece. Explain the breathing. So you can tell a lot, like a lot of people have tried, I get a lot of work, do you follow? So I said this the last time. No, I didn't, that's a lie. I said that in a post. A lot of people write to me and say, do you follow such type of breath work, for example? I, I asked you one day, James you? Nestor, you know, deep breathing. I wouldn't have a clue who they are. I hand and heart wouldn't. I just said, no. And 
again, the breeding thing came to me by watching all these people. And then all of a sudden they kept slotting into this category and they all breeded the same. What do you mean? So when I would say to them, they'd be lying off in the bed there like this. And I'm telling them to relax, for example. And they're so, let's say, eye contact. They're fixed on the roof. And I'm talking to them. And the natural and somebody else who's very relaxed would be actually just looking at you, making eye contact, where these are staring at the roof, for example. But I would say to them, just take in an inhale there for me and breathe out. And they'll go... So they put their lips together, right? And when you put your lips together, it's an automatic sign that of an upregulated breathing system. What does that mean? Basically, like uh, the panic, the fear, the stress, the um, the the stress of it. Just it's a stressed breath. That's what I say to them. Okay, do you see the way you breathe it there? I said, see the way you put your lips together, and you have to actually nearly coach it back out. And I'm like, no, no. Well, you're I'm, not supposed to have your lips together. No. So if you're training. I just said to your training, it's lips together because you're looking to channel and brace all intrinsic ab muscles. So, for example, the balloon, like we asked them to blow up a balloon. By putting the lips around the balloon, you create a vacuum, it's sealed, and then it's about blowing the air into something. And by doing that, it creates a far higher brace within the muscle. Okay, I'm, fo- I'm focusing on my breathing now and getting all worked up. <laughs> well, I've run through a few small things, a few techniques. Like, So somebody who suffers with the anxiety piece okay, um, or panic attacks. Do you ever get a panic attack? Yeah, just ask me that in a minute. I'll tell you, yeah. Um, the the stress breath, the the, 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 the high adrenaline individual mm. um, braces all the time, right? It's like you go, to, you go to touch them to do a treatment. It's <clears throat> they're, <laughs> they're like that. Okay? Nervous? No, no, no. Full on attack, attack mode. Okay. Okay. They're the go-getters. <clears throat> Lock in all the time. And you're like, man, just let go. Come on, let me in. Switch off the first layer of tissue in your body so I can get underneath that and work on the sheets underneath and so on. Um, the the real trauma people, it's like it's when they breathe in, and hopefully my people hear this, but it's like, can you give me a second now? So it's like... <laughs> yeah, right. You, That's through your mouth. Yeah, but even through the mouth or even through the nose, it's like... <laughs> It's broken from start to finish. Is that just when you're talking to them no. about something? Or oh, yeah, they'll be that. Like, they hold their breath. So them f- deep trauma people hold their breath um, because their mind won't switch off. And when you're thinking, you're not breathing. That's something I've, I've, when you're I've thinking, say a lot. you're not breathing. You're literally, when you're fo- fully focused on the, the saying I say, and it's in a nutshell, I'll wrap it up with this. If you're lying on the bed in front of me, that's the here and now bed. If we put another bed beside you, and another bed that side. We have three beds. If you are sitting here now and you can't let go of the past, beating yourself up over the past, angry over the past, whatever, you're over on that bed. So your body is here, but your energy system and your intrinsic system is over there. Whereas I'm trying to fix this. If you're dwelling, if you're uh, worrying about the future and you're panicking about what's coming and all these things that may never happen, or things that are coming down the line, you are over in this bed. So how do you get everyone on the same bed? Well, that's where it comes back to your chakras. Again, Like, so my trick every time is we go to do the treatment on the roof of the mouth. We work on the sphenoid bone, and we consciously get them. You can feel it. It's class. You can feel it off them. I'm going to try and make a video of it one day. It's very hard for an Irish person to show them coming in fierce wound up. It's This is why you have to go through it yourself sometimes. But... um. When I'm doing it, I'm I'm treating the roof of the mouth, so where it needs to be treated. Some sides are perfect. You'll see their lip off. You'll see their alignment of their eyes and nose all off. Um, the forehead will be extremely tense. They can't let it go. 
And when you do all that treatment, it's like you've just, you had it done and it's like it just mm. clears you from the inside of the head out. But a lot of that would be very straightforward as in, I'd say to them, okay, I want you to breathe in for five. I want you to hold the breath for two. And I want you to let it go for five. Box breathing. Which means don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen something like that actually, mm. yeah. So the pieces again, it comes back to the putting the lips together. Stop putting your lips together. It's time to unwind. I want to downregulate everything here. I need to get you to the rock bottom. And then if we need to pick you back up, so say we have a person who is a major warrior, we get them calm first. Now they're in their rested state. Chakras, all these different things are beginning to align. Their thoughts are now clear. Maybe we might pop the audiovisual on them on the bed, but everything is now aligned. And so it's did the Buddhists have it right? Yeah, definitely. Like I, so they focus on the breathing, but basically what they're doing is bringing everyone back to themselves and focusing on the now. Yeah, and... What I don't like, and I mentioned briefly last day about the addictive side of things, is how people would say, God, I do a bit of breath work in the morning, just sets me up for the day. And But they still have, if they don't do that breath work, it's a, it's a shit show. And I, yeah, I just, I, I, my clients, I, I'm saying, you're not to be doing, you're, you're not going to become now one of these people who do that every day. So I need to figure out the, the whys. Why, why do you feel you need to do that breathing? Let's tackle them situations. Let's look and address those very, Maybe deep rooted shit that you may not want to talk Still about. Still not a bad habit to have if it helps. Great job, yeah, perfect. But it's not. But long term, the yeah, long term you become reliant on it, and you have to be very careful that you don't have crutches in your life. <laughs> you see, see, so you, like you mightn't even know. You, no, you, exactly. I, yeah, I, I know, and, and and that's like there's clients I have, and I say, listen, I can see you beginning to really lean on me now. Like you're really trying to use me as your thing, and I'm gonna. It, it's it always is on you. It has to go back on you. Like, do you I'm, have people ringing you? you no, know, when you help not, people not anymore. Well, I've had my personal phone. Yeah, I've had people like could text you half ten at night, saying they're suicidal or something. Like, what do you do then? I've had to get to a level on it. Something happened two weeks ago, and it happened. Yeah, says to me, she's like, someone I mean, messaged you, you and said, that? "Yeah, like, can you call me, please, at quarter to eleven or half ten or something?" And I was going, "Sorry." I'm out at the minute. Can't. After he said he was suicidal. Him. Hadn't talked to him. No, not yet. He said, can you call me for a minute? Yeah. This guy had been in us before and... Do you know him well? Yeah, like... Mm. No, yeah, no, I've... Yeah, like, no, I'm, he came in, he was a client for a while, yeah. he went off again, he came back in, went off again, and then vanished completely. But the last time I met him, I said to him, you need to put some systems in place, like, but then a year passed and this is what I get, like, well, could you call me, please? And I said, I can't right now, I'm actually out. And I, this was last weekend, you might have seen it in my story, I was seriously burnt out. Mm. And that's when I have to be really careful because you snap, like, or you, you might just be totally drained. So then that came in and I went, oh, you're fucking joking me, like. So he texted back and said, uh, I really need your help and need to sort shit out. And I just went, yep, that's no problem called him whatever his name and said uh, give me a call next week if you're serious and he said well I'm suicidal fuck at times and uh, it's nice how do you do on a Saturday night <laughs> yeah and I went poor, poor fucker yeah and I know him and I went <clears throat> I said he goes I, I only trust four people in life and you're one of them and I went look I really like you I said you're a great guy I said I, I have no problem in helping you I said, I can't do much for you now. And you know that. And he's, I says, all I'm asking for you is 
if you mean business and you want to work proper this time, I said, I need you to contact me next week. Give me a shout Monday, Tuesday, whatever. I'll see you. We'll have a proper chat. And then he texted him back to that message going, I'm really sorry for texting you so late. And I said, don't apologize. You're not to apologize. I told you I'm here if you need me. But I have to try and create a ground rule as well. So I took a guy in a couple of years ago who texted me like that. And I minded him for two years. And in the end, um, he pretended he fell down the stairs in my gym and he sued me for 38 grand. What? So I'm going, it's not my issue anymore. If you leave it till the last minute and you text me saying you're going to kill yourself, I have had to separate myself and go... You've all that fairly worked out. This is this isn't yeah. your first rodeo. This no, happens exactly. a lot. So I went and Yaz going, How do you compromise that? I said, I, I can't. I, I have to recover this weekend. Like I have a big week coming up. I have a lot of people coming up that aren't great. The clinics drain me, like they fucking wipe me. I, I need to, I just go away from all human contact if, if at all possible, then I'll go to Dublin or I'll just switch off. And I recoup very like in Sick quick, three hours, four hours what's tops. Your, what's your favorite way to recoup? Haircut, fucking haircut, massage, fucking yeah, walk. People watch, just switch off. Like I like, I'd hate, to, I'd hate to get to a point where, uh, like I, I feel so sorry for any proper famous people. It must be horrendous for them that they can't actually find a place where they're total silence. Like it's that coming in on your energy all the time like I seen the other day I love him like Jim Carrey and he said I'm, I think I'm done like mm, said, I, I, love, I love my quiet life he said I've, I am enough I've achieved enough and mm. so on but um, yeah no I, I try and just get a complete like even to to drive to Dublin whether it's list, like last time I just done a big sing-along yoke. I was singing the whole way to Dublin in the car mm. just blaring summery tunes it was a savage day I went up went to the barber that used to live in Mullingar got a haircut got food Went for a walk, got a coffee, and then home. Done. I was fully recouped. Um, but that was trained, majorly trained as well over the years. Like I, I, I was noticing that I had to learn how to recover quicker because I couldn't afford this long spell of fucking off for a week or two. And I remember I used to go on holidays and it would take me four days out of a seven-ton mind and I'd be just getting calm <laughs> then you and I'd be heading go. home. Whereas now I wouldn't even have gone to the airport and it's done, so I'm, I'm out, switched off. When you're so busy doing that, and dealing with people and like it's hard on the head. How come every so often you do these lunacy things, like like things that like I don't I don't know why you do them. Like you put yourself through hell for certain things. So because we start like I'm really struggling lately with um. I used to wreck the shop as regards Instagram. I just go on. I would say whatever, and I get a phenomenal release off it. Because I'd be pepped up for so long with certain clients who might just be constant playing the blame game. And it's pep, pepping me up all the time. And I want to say something or whatever. And f- for whatever reason, I feel trapped and enclosed. That I And then I have to just like explode. So I, I learned the old explode would have been just snap at someone that you care about. And you're going, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Told you about the match this morning. Mm. I ran on. <sighs> Loman's had me a bit whatever and the young lad was kept pushing me I was getting a bit of verbal abuse so I hit him in the chest just <laughs> back but like within two seconds turned around to him and said hey man stop I have no interest in any of that stop I'm only here to play game football and we literally shook hands and that was it 
So again, I recognize that's only because I was, I was physically tired and he, I just, my patience was a little less, that's all. Um, but um, you asked me about the panic attack thing. So I found the book there a couple of months ago. It was in 1990, 20 years ago. I was 12, yeah, it was 20 years ago. It was about 12. And uh, we were about little fuckers as well. Typical, you know, living down around the street in the town. And you know Tony, are you? Um, yeah, yeah. Raised on coke and crisps. <laughs> yes, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, sir. <laughs> um, but no, we, I, we used to be, there was a... A sl- uh, the word back then was it was a mental hospital but it was a smaller scale um, housing unit for them and Annie was one morning I was going to school and we'd always be messing and jeering and throwing snowballs in winter and all this shit like you mm. know harmless you didn't think you are doing any harm but one morning going to school Annie was a mental you know one of the patients out of the as they said the mental in Lomans so obviously people are saying that's a bad word to use but like Lomans was known as the mental hospital Yeah. but he attacked me Annie was and he grabbed me and tried to throw me into the canal a grown man? yeah one of the the thing so my brain at the time was fuck it this was the maddest thing and I seen a program on it one time saying that some people believe something happened a certain way but it was, it was all the f- uh, sequences throughout that formed the, the memory but anyways he tried to throw me in I ran to school as far as I was concerned I came home that or I broke down crying that day and my mother was called and I told her she said I was in school for nearly eight weeks or something before I admitted it and I started I, I kept saying to them So like, you only broke down eight weeks after this? Mm, and I didn't want to sleep on my own and then I was you know annoying my brother Darren to sleep with me and then they got me a teddy and all these different things I couldn't be on my own so when I broke down obviously they, I, they were saying what's wrong with you? So then I told them so of course my mother went mad and she went up and she went to the hospital and different things and they were saying sure what do you want us to do about it and then she went to the guards and all these different things but I went for counselling. Now, my parents had just split up as well. And then they tried to, psychologists tried to blame mommy and daddy splitting up for me claiming this. Would it have had anything to do with it? Um, Probably didn't help. Ah, well, I, my last memory was of mommy and daddy fighting outside the window one night. That's saying, your earliest memory? No, that was the last memory of, of that, was the la- that was the night they split up, for example. Um, but I didn't see a patch of... What was that like? <sighs> I didn't see a patch. I, 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 my brother. At the end of the day, like this is all stuff. I, I have to even talk to him lately. It's all surfacing now for some reason. But he would have protected me from a, a huge amount of, if there was rows at home or whatever. He would have protected me a lot. So he would have experienced a lot more trauma than I have. So I'm lucky that way. But um, I was going to, I was going to counsel lines. But when the when when I was left on my own, uh, everything in started to speed up, and I my heart rate like went through the roof. While you were talking about it. No, this is just when they leave me alone. Like if I was left alone and uh, every single night then my dreams were, it was this conveyor belt thing and it was stones on a conveyor belt and I was trying to sort the stones and everything was going well and then it was... That was the dream you were having? This was the dream, yeah. Every single time. That was at night, but during the day when the panic attack would set in, I didn't know it was a panic attack at 12 now, by the way. What, what it took did me it feel nearly like? 15 years to attack? look back. This is what was going on. So if you were talking to me I thought you were talking like a million mile an hour and I'd say to you, I'd say to mommy, are you talking fast? She's like, no, I'm talking normal. I said, God, it sounds like you're talking so fast. So the psychologist just asked me to do something simple and said, I want you to get a little book and write your thoughts down. So I found the book. And really? it was just unreal for one reason that how simple it was in the end to get over something. And I wouldn't be a man for journaling around, but 
that's what she made me do. And it was like I had to date it and just put down something that happened. So I put down some days, two day I played. I remember and I remember reading it going, holy fuck. And I, I goes, today I played badly in Tin Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember then coming home and saying to mommy, I'm not playing Tin Whistle anymore. You talk about emotions. I wouldn't tell her why. Fucking 15 years later, I remember now going, I was mortified because they were all progressing really quick. I couldn't, so I didn't want to beat her. Otherwise, I'm not. And I could, then for weeks. Do you get frustrated if you're not the best? No, 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 not not the best. No, I just want, just, uh, you, you get frustrated, I suppose, if if I'm not grasping stuff. I, I, I'm very, I would be hard on myself in the level of. Well, you're definitely hard on yourself. But I journaled for about, say, 16 times or something random like that. And it went from uh, being the emotions of very worried um, to some up some little happy days. I went, I visited my cousin today. We had a good day. But the last journal, imagine, was... The last entry. The last entry uh, was today I was over in Tullamore with my uncle. We went to the Westmead match and I seen uh, Billy, the man's name, right? I, I seen that, The I, guy that attacked you? Yeah. And I says, I seen Billy and he didn't scare me. And that was the final, and you didn't need it anymore. As a 12-year-old said it, and I didn't hold any anger towards him. I never journaled after that. Oh. And I got over it. And I, 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 I only look back now going, fuck, like I obviously had a process and ability because I journaled feck all. It, it seemed very straightforward. Talk about your emotions, acknowledge it, accept it. The big thing I always say, no matter what's going on in your life, you have to accept the position you're in, no matter how bad it is, if it's a breakup, if it's divorces, if it's um, your business, you have to accept, you have to stop, pull up the handbrake, accept where you are now. Then you can, it's only then you can move forward. If you try and make yourself busy and dismiss some levels of trauma that you've just gone through and you try to pretend you're okay, it will always catch up with you. At some point, you, it will eventually. You can't keep burying it. It'll come out in some way, shape or form. Do you think that people get worked up for being too busy? What do you mean? Like... Uh, People can have so much going on that they stress themselves out or get themselves into a, a ball. I think on average, a lot of people have very, very little um, education on time management, on the organizing things or maybe prioritizing things. Guilty. Stuff like that. I'm That's what I that. would think more so. So like during the transformations, for example, uh, I would see it so much like, sorry, Shannon, I might have to pull pin on this real busy at the minute. Go on, give me a breakdown of what your day is. And I do this hour thing with them saying, right, okay, how many hours are you in work? Deadly, deadly, deadly. We add them up, we take them a total away. And I said, there you go. You still have 45 hours in the week. For example, like it mightn't be 45. Mm. I remember a figure, it could have been one lad. I said, you still have 13 hours left. That's completely, you can't account for. I said, can you just take two of them to train? Oh yeah, deadly, keep her lit. So the time management piece, and I would have done a lot of that with it. Um, we always give up the stuff that's good for us first. Because mm. we have to bury ourselves, like building the house. Naturally enough, you go, I could train, but I could also be here. And that's what happens. But that's where I said, you try to find that balance where you go, you don't don't pull it, put on two stone weight just because you, you had a child. Don't put on all that stuff and get very unhealthy because um, you're building a house. Don't put it on because you're just after your wedding. Like it's the typical fucking shite. We see us, we get in shape for a wedding and we become... A fucking mess like but when you're in the middle of it you don't it, you're not thinking about it like that like I'm guilty of that mm. it's like you just get 
so busy doing yeah, stuff I know, I know. that it's very ha- you're you're prioritizing. Mm. So you're there thinking, well, I have to be here and I have to be there and I have to do that, and you get so wound up. The last thing you're thinking about. I think everybody. There's not a person on earth, and I never believed this before, but now I realize it. There is no one on earth that has that cannot be anything they want to be, but they have to learn the art of truly focusing and removing everything that drains on your energy. How so. do you train to be resilient like that? So well, that's why I done, you're on with the cycle and different things. The cycles for me, uh, the, the the hell week, for example, was when it all changed for me. The training, I uh, this will shock some people, especially GA lads. I know that I played some championships and no one would have ever copped it. I know myself there was periods in a match where I was really tired and I went hiding. I knew I should have showed for a ball, but no one would have copped this. I just... Everybody will do it at times, but I nailed myself to the cross going, you you knew you should have showed for that ball, but you were too tired. And instead of accepting the tiredness piece, I was hard on myself. And I went, why does the average GA athlete dread going down to a tough fitness session? They actually dread it. So I went, fuck that. I'm not, I'm going to have to go away from all this. Develop a mindset that you go through such hardship that nothing will ever make you anxious again. So when I trained for the Hell Week, the sessions were, they were fucking absolutely ridiculous. Is and I'm that proud why to you say, hmm? Is that why you do that? Oh yeah, that's why I did it in the end. Well, no, that wasn't the number one reason. That was just a psychological aspect on why, why does the brain do that? So I read my first psychology book at 17, like Mind Gym it was called. And it was because I was struggling to break into the senior team. I was performing so well in the leagues. And then basically I would... I would mentally drain myself coming into the championship match. Everything would change. I would change how I eat. I would change how I'm drinking. I would change how everything went. And then I'd flop. Get taken off after 10 minutes. And I'm like, fuck me. This went on for three or four years. So I was like, there's something wrong here. Like, I need to upskill on psychology. So then I did. And I came back. And I remember then when I broke through, I visualized everything that would have happened. And it all happened on the first day. Playing wing forward, I visualized. I visualized scoring four points. I visualized a sunny day. I visualized the national anthem, all these different things, and I can never forget. I have no clue why they played it. They played the national anthem one time out in fucking moat in a senior championship match, and I just remember standing there going, "Holy shit!" I seen all this in my head, and at the game, my life played for, you know, points or whatever. That was my first experience of visualization, and then I channeled that into work. So, like for example, on Instagram, I might put something very outrageous out there, and some people could say, "Jesus, your man's a bit confident or cocky or arrogant." But that's that's just my method of putting it out to the universe, and I'm nailing myself across saying, "You said it now. You fucking have to do it." It's part of your process. That's my process. To get stuff I done. will. I love pressure. I always performed better on the the bigger stage once I once I learned all that psychology, and to separate mm-hmm. championship day to normal day, like at the team who can't break through. The teams talk about Mayo and different things. This whole curse. It's all psychological all psychological at the end of the day there is no reason why the semi-final should be different in a final the mind kicks in and in the golfing world like it's a big psychology is massive like like anybody will stand up to try and take the 50 50 foot putt but no one wants to do the one that's maybe 10 inches away because everyone expects you to get it have you any handy tricks to get our minds a little bit looking better of handling that kind of stuff on the physical end of things i basically committed i made a commitment to say if you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. So if you say you're doing 100 reps or something, you, you're you not going home. You have to do 100 reps because, yes, nobody else might know, but you'll know. And the voice in your head. So I turned that into a real person. 
I know people will think it sounds a bit mad now, but the voice in the head that kicks in that when you're when you're saying I want to go to the gym this evening or I want to do something or I know I should do something and that voice kicks in saying you're all right don't take a handy this evening chill out that voice is is extremely bad like that's that voice I call that voice to the kids the inner ninny (laughs) I said Clark and Lily don't listen to your inner ninny I call my inner pussy myself I fight with it all the time Well everybody battles with that So like Everybody has a breaking point And there's sessions Like You could do a session For example You could stick you on a watt bike And I say to you You're gonna You're gonna hit mental demons Now inside the next three minutes Or I could stick you on something else And say You're gonna hit a demon In around 45 minutes Into this session So it's different scales So The 45 minute sessions For me uh, the, The way I looked at it was They're the Two to three years of trauma Someone may go through After something horrendous you're building a tolerance for a long, slow, shit time. So when I done the two and three or four hour sessions, or I done the cycling, for example. Um, well, back to cycling before it goes any far, because I'm never going to get this question out. You're building a house, flat out work, and then you ring me one day and you say you're going doing this cycle, and it was like a huge thing. Like I hadn't really, really trained for it. The house slowed up and I knew that there was something like, I was waiting on windows. So I knew that there was nothing happening for 10 weeks. And I went, I says to Yaz, I was like, why is there at me to do the cycle again? So I done one day with them last year with no trend. I done 330 K two years In ago. one day? Yeah. So and that the three was a big day event feat. was? Like, very proud after that. I was like, Jesus, and I wasn't sore the next day and couldn't believe it. But they came to me and they said, would you be interested in doing a day again? And I said, I can't do the day again. Like, that's very boring. I've done the day. I'd have to do something a bit more. And he said, sure, no, it's on in nine weeks or something. And I was sitting there and I had the map on the wall and he said, this is the route, like, and it was starting in Kinsale and it went upwards. So literally all the way through Kerry, up and finishing all the way around. And we finished in Derry. How many kilometres? 2,100 in six days. 6.5 days so 300 on average a day so you started at you were out of bed for five you started at six and some days we fucked up and we didn't get back till half nine or ten and what the latest was quarter to eleven um but i just yeah i just said no i couldn't do the day again so he said he texted me before weeks in he said are you training and i said I'm doing a bit like i said you know not a whole lot i said trying to get out and he said well i'm telling you now shane he said you will not get through this it's not possible if you don't do this and he sent me a program I went, oh, yeah. So I knew the time was against me then. So I came up with a different way from my knowledge with fitness. And this is a whole different thing again. If you're an athlete and you're thinking, how can you get fit quick? You train, you learn your lactate threshold. And that's a very, very tough thing to do mentally because you're on that threshold all the time. You're on, you're an inch away from breaking. You're trying to hold that and hold what that. What do you mean lactate that. threshold? So you might spill over into lactate as in your legs will fill with lactate or your body will produce lactate because you've gone into the... It's a toxin, like, to protect you. It's actually a gift to your body after you hit puberty and so on. And if you weren't able to hit lactate, you would run forever, essentially. And that's that why your heart... You all cramp up and they get sore. Mm. Uh, well, there's the sting in. It's the sting that comes in. That's lactate production. So you're trying to train on the edge of lactate production and you're trying to increase that threshold. So, for example, my first thing was, right, I'm going to go for an hour and I'm going to absolutely dog it. Like, no, but I want to know why you decided to do it. <sighs> like, that decision where you're looking at and you go... To be different, I, I, I really try not to be normal. And if you, if we're sitting in a room and people say, 
which I was, cyclists were saying, Shane, you won't do that. Like, it's not possible. You don't have the mileage. You don't have the experience. Your arse won't be conditioned, which it wasn't. I was destroyed there in fairness. That was terrible. But um, I just went, okay, so if everybody is saying I can't do it, then that's the perfect time to do it. Like, that's no-brainer to me. That's perfect. That's exactly when you want to do it because there is that 1% chance that you may do it and people said you didn't and then if you are in that percent well you'd like to think that that will spill over into the rest of your life into everything you are different and that's exactly why i do it i am i've learned the money learning in the last year working with psychologists telling him things and he's asking me these questions you're asking me and we're going back and forth and next thing he said that the level of determination is, is is different a different than what i've seen he said and the way you perceive it and the constant um, drive to be different or be normal or not be normal I mean so I do it to challenge that nothing phases you like if you said in the morning now I'm not a cyclist I haven't touched the bike since that like only because the house became very busy so the windows came uh, the week I was sorry the week I was on the cycle it was that really nice weather and uh, there was a load the house was supposed to get slayed and none of it got done so when I came back I was a bit annoyed it didn't get done and when you do hard stuff like that and you struggle, because obviously there's mental struggles, does it give you more empathy for people that are struggling in the gym? Yeah. Say if someone comes in and you're 20 stone overweight and you're struggling to just sit up and down. Yeah, where do you start exactly? That's that's the thing for them individuals. It's you can say, oh, look, I get it. You know, I... I the, the Hell Week was the first time ever that people through Instagram and people that knew me wrote to me and said like they've seen me struggle from day one to the end i only found my momentum as i got through day three once i got by the third day i said that's it i'm staying here forever i'm not going home and so on it was that's where i i felt this lift this whole thing just lifted and i went okay i, I get it now you shout and roar in her face okay cool i know what the story is and it everything ends that's the way i said everything ends so just you got to hold on and hold on and hold on um, some of the toughest challenges I ever done, believe it or not, was I just got on a stepper one day and I said I wanted to burn a thousand calories in sixty minutes, but I had forgot that I'd done it four hour one the day before, uh, over in the cut, and I'd done the bike on my own. And again, I was determined to be different. Where people say, "Just you'd never do that cycle on your own. You'd never do this on your own." But I think the toughest one that mentally broke me was, um, or sorry, no, well, not the toughest one that meant that uh, physically, I I was burnt out for two weeks after. Um, I got on the bike and I said this is it now this is my last big session um, and it was the threshold thing so I took off from Mullingar and a hand on heart as hard as I could go to Mayo I never stopped it was 4 hours and 40 minutes it said it's 7 hours or 7.5 on Google Maps but the threshold averaged 170 heart rate for 4 hours 40 minutes so that meant the peak was 193 but it averaged something like 170 beats for the minute. Four <laughs> it's hours not there. normal behavior. <laughs> but I remember... You, you time Mouse Everest or something. <laughs> no, I remember the, the, the process was, this is exactly the time to quit right now. Like even, even throughout the cycle, that lactate burning in the legs and you're like, don't, it'll go away, it'll go away. Talk Does it go away? Yeah, yeah, you talk to your legs. You're just telling that my legs are pistons. I'm a machine. All these affirmations, whatever you have to tell yourself. And the next thing, poof. Like fuck, it's deadly. And or you get a heart attack. Yeah, I do. Be, I, <laughs> I know. Yeah, there was a guy on the cycle, and he told me a story about him. And now he was. This is what I'm saying. He was 
he admitted he was an addict and he took that addiction and he moved it into business. But he still now knows I don't have a balance and I've never found it. He said, I, I have to. I scratched this itch. So he does these cycles and these different things. And he died like his heart has been stopped three times to reboot him and start him again. And he met his wife. It was phenomenal. Like, but it was again too extreme. I even I went, oh, man, come on. Like, there's a fucking line. Like, but he was a uh, 50k from home, and he's pulled. He had to get off the bike, and he made his wife the video. And he said, "I'm so sorry." He said, "I have to keep going." He says, "Um, I'm not quitting this. If I die on the bike, at least I'll have died happy." And I'm listening to this going, "Ah, oh, man, come on! Like, it's your, your family and stuff." But no, it was very. Almost a selfish attitude, if you mm. like. Um, but he did. He finished the cycle and the helicopter was waiting and he just collapsed at the end and airlifted away. And That's mad. It's stupid extremes, but f phenomenal if you take elements of that attitude. But again, life is about balance and about... Have you anything extreme you'd like to do in life? Like climb Mount Everest or K2 or do a cycle around the world or anything mad like that? Uh, I, I'd love to break a world record. Um don't know what it is yet. I'd love to try it. I'll just try something. Yeah, just, but that won't happen until I've a lot of, I have a few goals that I want to do and achieve. And like the retreat is by far the biggest. So that's it. Now I'm locking into the next three years and it will be literally really calculated breaks. But by Jesus, I'm just going to turn the screw completely and know when to take those breaks now. So use all the experience I've talked about where I've crashed and burned loads of times to now go on. I'm so lucky to be able to say I have a balance now that I know before anyone else knows. Okay, you're just coming to that limit now. Taper back, chill, have a few drinks, whatever it is, and ramp it up again. Go away, go yaz, go off, whatever it is, and then just pick it up again. And just keep that perfect cycle going that you never peak out, you never top out at anything. Mm. But yeah, it'll be well, well down the road. But yeah, I would have liked to... Do you believe in God? Um, that's mad. Jesus, I don't know how you're reading my mind. Uh, talking to the fellow today, and he, was, he asked me, he said, he, uh, he's, Religious. Yeah, and he said, well, the worst question you can ask someone is, are they religious? He said, you should be asking someone, are they spiritual? And I was like, yeah, well, actually, that would sound a bit more. So I believe in some, there's something, I d the fact that across the world there's a thousand or so many gods and all these different religions, then I go, ah, that's some bullshit. Like, come on. We can't all have had the story of how mm. it was created and so on. So I never get too bogged down in that. Um, but I believe that if someone goes into a church, that's just their place. That's fine. And they sit there and they pray and they look up and they say, please, you know, help me get through this phase. I'm really struggling. I need the strength. Give me strength. Please, please, please. I believe that's the same as me sitting in my van, pulling in, chatting, going, oh, I'm struggling now at the minute. Give me strength. So there's something out there that you're putting it out there too, that is, that hears this and it attracts things. And like, th there's the law of attraction, there's the visualization, there's all these things. Mm. And it's, a f it's, 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 that's what I believe in. It's just, there's something higher up there. And we are, we will never know, is there a God? Yes, I've, there's loads of times I've Someday prayed. Someday you'll know. Yeah. You have that heart attack doing this eight million mile cycle. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> you'll meet Peter at the pearly gates. Be there. I told you to calm down, but you thought it was your inner ninny. <laughs> no, it was me. Um, no, yeah, I do. Of course, I do believe in it. Yeah. Uh, we used to always go to mass just like it's, it's definitely deteriorated in how many people go to mass now. Um, 
you play football every Sunday morning, that fucks, well, it should, you know. It did fuck it up for me. Maybe others don't. It's mass on a Saturday night too, exactly, Shane. You, know, but sure. you just weren't putting in the effort. No. But, but this is this is probably the conversation I should have had with you the first time because people wanted to know a good bit about you. And loads of people did ask us questions and, you know, we'll come on once a month and we'll, we'll get down to the nitty gritty. But it was important that people got to know a little bit more of you. I suppose that you don't go to mass, you bollocks, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Picking your train instead of mass. Jesus, going to be raging. <laughs> and I did, in fairness, the first one, as I said, to you, between a nervous energy, really wanting to get that point across and the first one to go, like we were saying, it was almost like very, very borderline passion slash mm. anger going, Jesus. But it, it worked. It did work. There's no point denying it. It, yeah. it. it was very successful. We've just had a bit of a lot of people contact and a lot of people followed and you got loads of feedback and stuff. Um, I suppose with this one, yeah, look, you're right. Maybe this was just a chat. And it's nice for me to let that side down where mm. I'm just flicked on the chair here and yeah. chilling because this is how I was. As you said, you wanted me to talk to you the way I would be just on the car on the way up. Mm. You know? That was cool. So hopefully that message comes across. And we'll just... Hip on home and talk about getting you to mass more. <laughs> I'm only joking. But no, that was cool. And I want to thank everyone for listening and watching and thank Colin. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Good luck. <laughs>